Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today, we have a very special guest, Marty Kendall, who is a data biologist. Hello, Marty. How are you? Hey, Fergal. Great to chat to you again. Uh, yeah, great to have you back on the show. Now, I described you as a data biologist, but you're also you, your background originally was engineering, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, engineer by day and uh, passion of uh, nutrition and uh, to, to make nutritional density um, uh, available to everybody. So that's what we're yeah. hopefully going to be talking to, about today. Absolutely, yeah. But it, it, it was your engineering background and that, that got you into the concept of number crunching. And, and it's your ability mm -hmm. to number crunch that gives the validity that is needed to your concept of nutritional density. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Uh, everything can be quantified with numbers and optimized to, to make yeah. life better. Sure. So nutritional density, what does that actually mean? Yeah, I suppose for me, it's uh, the basic unit of measurement of energy. We all eat a certain amount of calories per day, whether that be 1,600 or 2,000 or, or, or a whole lot more. But we, we basically need a certain amount of calories to maintain our weight. So nutritional density is making sure we've got the nutrients we need within those calories. So basically, it's um, nutrients per calorie or particularly the harder to find nutrients per calorie. Mm. And from my understanding of what of, of, of my reading of your website, and we'll 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 put links to your website underneath this video. My understanding is that nutritional. I was going to use the word deficiency, but uh, we're not going to use that because you're going to comment on the difference between deficiency <laughs> and suboptimal levels. But suboptimal levels of nutrients in our diet cause craving, mm. which then cause us to eat more nutrient poor foods which then mm. cause us to put on weight and become obese that's basically the the concept that underpins nutritional density is that is that right have i got that right yeah definitely we've seen that trend of people who tend to eat nutrient poor foods tend to eat a lot more energy to get the nutrients their body craves and you know mm. everybody you know, different people have weird cravings for for chocolate or or whatever that particular craving is and our body's just an amazing machine that knows what it needs at a particular time and sends us in search for that that food that contains it. Right. So tell me, what's the difference in your view between the recommended daily allowances of various micronutrients and what you're uh, advocating for, which is much, much higher levels? Yeah, uh, the recommended daily intake is basically the amount to prevent deficiency in most of the population. So they've they've worked out the amount of vitamin B1 or B3 that is seen with uh, avoiding thiamine deficiency, which is beriberi or um, pellagra, which is associated with a lack of B3. So that's the amount that prevents deficiency, but the amount that's related to optimal satiety and performance and mitochondrial function is actually quite a bit more than that. So mm. in the data analysis we've done, we've seen that people, when they get those higher levels of nutrients, their satiety kicks in and they, they tend to eat a lot more. So yeah, we've been able to break down the uh, satiety response to 
all the different micronutrients as well as the macronutrients to actually help identify which foods and meals and recipes help people calm their their appetite and uh, be very happy with the amount of food they're eating. Mm. So if I'm getting this right, what you're saying is that if we can increase the relevant amount of nutrients in food, Mm. we can feel more full more quickly Mm. and Mm. therefore ultimately we end up eating less and therefore we Mm. can manage uh, overweight obesity, the the obesity epidemic. And that's, is, is that the basic message? Yeah, that, that, that's basically it. As we focus right. on nutrient-dense foods, we're more mm-hmm. energized, we mm-hmm. feel uh, yeah. our mitochondria functions better, and uh, yeah. we, we're craving less food. Right. Now, we've, we're using these technical words, micronutrients, micronutrients. So, Phil, let's just explain for our audience, what is a micronutrient? So macronutrient is the, the large energy-containing nutrients such as protein, carbs, fat. I mean, you might even talk about alcohol or exogenous ketones as, as mm. macronutrients that contain energy. And then the micronutrients are the vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, amino acids that don't necessarily contain energy, but they're essential to our bodily function. Right, right. So the, the list of micronutrients is, is almost endless. But can you just give us an idea of some of the more important micronutrients? Yeah, I suppose it depends on the individual. And a, a lot of people in our modern society are getting enough amino acid, which is the protein, because we tend to eat a fairly protein-rich diet. But we uh, tend to lack uh, maybe vitamin B1, thiamine, um potassium, magnesium, these other nutrients that are, that are harder to find in our diet. So that's why it's important to look at what's your current diet, what are you currently eating, and therefore for you, which nutrients do you need to actually chase to optimize your nutrient density and promote satiety and, and better mm. uh, energy levels. And you've, you've also, on the subject of satiety, <clears throat> excuse me, you've come up with a graph or a scatter plot, have you not? Mm. That, that, that compares satiety with uh, nutrition density. And I, I was looking at this uh, the, the other night, and not surprisingly, bagels, <laughs> they, they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't cause satiety, nor are they no. that, that nutritionally uh, dense. But one of the no. things that, that was in the scatter plot, one of the things that was positioned close to bagels, and I find this surprising, was actually Brazil nuts. Yeah, um, you know, on your scatter plot, Brazil nuts are in the same area as as bagels, so they're they're not very, they don't promote satiety, and nor are they nutritionally dense. Yeah, I found that uh, yeah, surprising. Well, it's it's satiety per calorie. So the things that uh, provide low satiety are those uh, energy dense foods that have low protein and more energy, more easily accessible energy from yeah. fat and carbohydrate together. So yeah, it's, it's those uh, foods that were typically available maybe in autumn that drove us to yeah. get more fat on for winter to survive yeah. the winter that tends yeah. to drive us to eat a whole lot more. So unfortunately, we live in a life where uh, we live in a world rather where all the yummy foods are actually bad for us, you know, because if you look at the, uh, the, the others, the kind of the diagonal of that scatter plot 
I can remember as a child thinking, oh, dear Lord, I've got to eat more broccoli and cauliflower. But lo and behold, <laughs> broccoli and cauliflower are right up there at the top where, you know, they're, they're very nutritionally dense and they also yep. promote satiety. Uh, you know, so I, I can understand that as a concept. But what you're saying is that, that in, in nature, most foods are actually dense nutritionally and do promote satiety, whereas it's the more mm. refined foods uh, that, that, that are, 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 no, are low nutritionally dense and do not provide satiety. That's the dichotomy here, isn't it? It's, it's, it's nature versus yeah. refined foods. Except yeah, for... and, and Brazil nuts for those ones that are really energy dense and amazing in nature, but we've taken it even further and produced all these incredible foods that are yeah. highly refined, ultra processed and nutrient poor, yeah. which yeah. enable to get a lot more with very little nutrition at the same time. So apart from the situation of nuts, which which you have a theory of uh, that, that nuts are are mm. the, really the only source of the combination of high fat and, and, mm. uh, uh, and protein. No, is it? No, mm. you said high fat and carbs that are used for, yeah. for laying on fat for, for the winter. Mm. Basically, what you're saying is anything that you need to look at the ingredient list for is refined and not as good for you. Yeah, anything that's got a, a massively long list of ingredients that you can't pronounce and uh, food colorings that make up for the fact that it's not actually nutritious or, or flavors that make up for the fact that it's not nutritious is, is probably yeah. a red flag to say, do I really need this? And especially if it's got refined you know, seed oils, vegetable oils combined with refined flours at the same yeah. time. Um, yeah. It's pretty much a, a Franken food that uh, you're going to, you know, once you pop, you just can't stop. And uh, it, it's probably a warning that it's probably not an optimal food for you. So that's a really important point, I think, to make is that the, the refined foods, modern foods, cornstarch, mm. sugar syrups, these are all very bad for you because they're, they don't promote satiety and they're nutritionally not dense. They don't have that, nutrition, yep. that, that nutrient uh, background. Mm. Even though they look nice, they taste nice, they look nice in the shops, they taste nice, they're just not good for you. So, yeah, yeah. I, so I, I think that scatter plot that you've got there and on your website is fabulous. And I would urge our viewers to actually take a look at that in great detail. I, I chose the, the thing about cauliflower and broccoli versus bagels and Brazil nuts because I thought it was a good representation of the dichotomy. And it reminds me of the story that when I was a kid growing up, my brother used to say to my mother, he used to say, Mom, I'm not hungry for my vegetables. I'm only hungry <laughs> for my pudding, <laughs> which, which to me epitomizes the, 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 you know, the ills yeah. that, our, that our current society uh, is experiencing with the obesity epidemic. How do you yeah. get over that? Because quite frankly, I mean, you know, honestly, I'd much rather have an ice cream and a bagel than I would a, a, you know, a, a, a cauliflower and, and broccoli soup. How do you get yeah, you, you, you make a nutrient density sound pretty uh, unattractive at the moment. I'm not sure about this this interview where it's heading, but um, but but I suppose the reality is is once you um, like that, those those foods that are designed for maximal profit with really cheap ingredients with a whole lot of yeah. fake flavors and colors are designed to yeah. produce this massive dopamine hit that reinforces our need for those foods, and we keep on eating them. Yeah. again and again but once we take out that 
you know anything in nature that the, the the screen to, oh well anything that's provides that massive dopamine hit binge watching your favorite whatever yeah. or you know all those bad things that we shouldn't have too much of once you're back down that dopamine and go well this food actually contains the nutrients i need it, it provides yes. a a real pleasure and a real robust pleasure and it doesn't yeah. always have to live on broccoli and bland cauliflower but um yeah. once you actually get the nutrients in in your food that you actually need it, it tastes really good and and my kids yeah really enjoy real food rather than going out to Macca's and they, they learned to yeah. taste it. Yeah, this, this food tastes really awful and I don't really enjoy it. I don't really feel good and my gut yeah. hurts and I feel sleepy yeah. and I feel fat. And, you know, yeah. once you start to enjoy those positive foods, it, it's a new way of thinking and feeling. But it does take a while to wean yourself off that. So you've, you've actually managed to... With this concept of nutritional density, you've actually managed to create a whole series of, of recipe books that yeah. are not only tailored to nutritional density, and not only, I've looked at a couple of the recipes, some of the food there looks fabulous, but it's not only tailored to nutritional density, it's also gone a degree beyond that. It's tailored to disease or dysfunction specific individuals, isn't it? So yeah. you've 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 managed to escape from this view that the only thing that's nice to eat is chocolate and bagels and, and macros. <laughs> you've managed to escape from that and prove in real life that actually good food, nutritious food, is yummy, and it can also be tailored yeah. to specific individual needs. Yeah, yeah. We really wanted to show with the recipe books how good good food could look and there's yeah. so many debates about you know what nutrition should be and we thought hey if we just yeah. show what amazing food looks like they'll understand yeah. and yeah we can yeah. we've dialed it in for a whole range of goals and a whole range of preferences whether you're managing diabetes and want to stabilize your blood sugars or losing weight or a bodybuilder or an athlete yeah. or, or you prefer a plant-based diet or a vegetarian diet we can dial all those in but um yeah we can also target specific nutrients in your food that are related to different diseases and say if you want to yeah. um, recover from MS or, or whatever your current situation is, we can target the nutrients that are more related to those particular conditions and here are the recipes that will help you get more of those nutrients. Yeah. So the key message there is that a healthy diet full of nutritionally dense foods tailored to your individual needs mm. is actually better for you in the long term and actually tastes great and looks great on the yeah. plate. Yeah, and that's, yeah, that's it does. where your it, recipe it, If your food in. looks and tastes great without a whole lot of yeah. artificial garbage on top of it, yeah. then you're doing yeah. pretty well. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, you know a certain number of disease states or kind of personal traits. I just want, before we kind of uh, look a little bit more into the specific traits and the, the specific conditions, generally speaking, I'm a herbivore and my wife is a carnivore. So what kind of foods would a herbivore need to eat to, main, to optimize health? And what kind of foods would a, would a carnivore have to eat to optimize health? Yeah, I suppose the bottom line for us is we find that a, a mixed diet somewhere between, between the extremes enables to get 
veggies and animal food that tend to give you a nice range. But if you're right at the, the carnivore end. We're going to have to start again on that question because the internet dropped out there. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh. Right. I'll, I'll ask you the question again, yeah? <clears throat> uh, did, did you want to go through the um, the spectrocell charts as well? Or yeah, I was just, just going to mention them, very, not not in great detail because this is for a, a general audience, but yeah. I'll just yeah, yeah, cool, cool, okay. So we'll talk about carnivore, herbivore, and then we'll go through the, the types of conditions that can be, that can be uh, treated with tailored diet, yeah. Did, right. did, did you want me to um, try going on to my phone for the internet, Tony? If we're having dropouts, we shouldn't have dropouts. But... Okay, cool. We'll just try it. All right, okay. answer the question. Well, we'll keep going. Keep going. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll start from my right. So, so Marty, I'm generally speaking a herbivore, and my wife is a carnivore. But looking at what you've put on the net, it it, it appears that that herbivores and carnivores in general they, they need different kinds of food because they're they've got a relative deficiency in uh in certain types of foods is that is that right yeah uh we tend to find a blend of uh plants and animal and seafood together tend to give you the best chance of getting a, a well-rounded micronutrient dense diet but if you're at the carnivore end of the spectrum maybe you need to try and ensure you've got some some liver or kidney or organ meats that contain those minerals that tend to be contained in vegetables whereas if you're at the um, plant-based end of the spectrum then you really need to go out of your way to make sure you're getting bioavailable protein in your diet and also omega-3 and b12 which tend to be more prevalent in plant-based foods so mm -hmm. we can deal with either of those extremes and um makes me think makes me wonder whether between the two of you as a married couple you might um be able to not sure whether the nutrition blends across there somehow <laughs> but uh, i don't think that works actually but well, um, it's an interesting it, situation jack spratt could eat no fat his wife could eat no lean <laughs> but between them both they licked the platter clean <laughs> she eats the steak and i eat the chips that's how it works in my household <laughs> i'm sure she might be getting the better end of the deal then, but anyway but so, I mean, it's my understanding that, that, that um, herbivores or you know, people who predominantly eat a plant-based diet, they tend to be, they tend to struggle with their B12, their glutamine, mm. their, and other essential amino acids, and also omega-3s. Yep. Is, is, that, is that the yep. case? Am I right in saying yeah, that? Yeah, that, that's definitely the, the, the trend we see. Yeah. Um, so how would, a, how would a, a herbivore then get B12 rather than popping a pill? What oh, food wow. would be... Um, that that it can actually be quite challenging to get from plant-based foods and, and a lot a lot of really strict plant-based um followers tend to have injections or pills or yeah. um try supplements or um uh nutritional yeast can actually be a a, a thing that gives um plant-based followers a, a really nice blend of b vitamins that, that can be harder yeah. to get yeah so I suppose it's important to emphasize at this point that, that when I said B12, actually what, what you're saying is that the B vitamins in general are, mm. are more difficult to access for people who eat a plant-based diet. And those B vitamins would include things like thiamine, riboflavin, mm. um, pentothenic mm. acid, and mm. of course hydroxycobalamin B12 and folic mm. acid. 
So all what you're saying then is all of the B vitamins can be an issue for predominant herbivores. Yeah, particularly B12 and omega-3. Um, yeah. But on the upside, the, the people following a, a whole food plant-based diet are getting a lot of green leafy vegetables, which are packed with minerals, which a lot of the, the more carnivore and general population aren't getting a lot of. But I suppose the risk of a plant-based diet, which is a term that triggers me a little bit because it's so wide and broad, a lot of the time a plant-based diet just means avoiding animal-based foods, which can end up being a lot of really, really heavily processed foods. So I think my view is that the plant-based trend plays into big food to a large extent because it's those refined grains and refined oils that are, are really profitable for the mm. the food industry. Um, that, you know, if they promote that plant-based trend, which sounds really good, they're, they're not yeah. necessarily getting a great nutritional density out of that. Yeah, so it's important to eat a mixed diet and plant-based foods need to be non-refined. That's, that's what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. So moving, yeah. On, moving on to carnivores, what kind of nutritional issues would a carnivore experience, do you reckon? Yeah, I suppose that the benefit of carnivore is you're getting a whole lot of bioavailable protein, which is a big deal for a lot of people. And a lot of people are getting too much of that um, refined stuff that doesn't have a lot of bioavailable protein in it. So that that's a benefit and they get plenty of B vitamins, but it's those minerals, um, potassium, magnesium yeah. can be a lot harder to find in a carnivorous yeah. diet. And yeah. Um, yeah, especially if they're not eating a lot of organ meats and not many um, people following a carnivore diet tend to eat a lot of organ meats at the same time just because they're not very popular. Right. So that's interesting. I didn't realize that, that, that if, you, if you were just eating steak rather than awful liver, kidney, um, mm. you, you, you are prone to nutritional deficiencies, especially in you know, things like magnesium, potassium. Phosphorus, they're definitely of, harder to find without that. Yeah, yeah. right. But so then if that, you overdo, if you overdo the the organ meats, you can get too much copper and throughout your right. copper zinc ratios, etc. But um, yeah, right, right. So is that the underlying reason why we always talk about a steak and kidney pie rather than a steak and steak pie? I, I never understood the point <laughs> maybe, of a steak and kidney maybe, pie. Maybe. But, <laughs> but what you're Grandma saying is that, <laughs> yeah. What you're saying is that we need these organ meats to actually balance out uh, our diet if we are a carnivore. Is that right? They're definitely helpful to improve yeah. your nutrient density. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't know that. Right? Mm. I thought I thought that the, 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 the muscle meat and organ meat was the same in terms of its nutritional qualities, except liver. No, the, yeah, yeah, no, you, definitely it, a lot of organ meats are amazing, and seafood yeah. um, is, is particularly incredible for yeah. those minerals as well. Yeah, yeah. So, so moving on to liver, I mean, liver is very rich in vitamin A. I mean, is it possible to overdose? Do uh, it, it's definitely possible. There's stories mm -hmm. of explorers who have, uh, you know, who've been starving and dehydrated and ate yeah. their skinny dog's liver and got quite sick. But uh, yeah. in real life, that's fairly rare with real food. Yeah. Um, but from supplements, it's definitely possible to overdose because uh, the, the, the vitamin A in animal-based foods is uh, in, in the form that we use. So it's very highly bioavailable. Yeah. But for most people, um, 
a little bit of liver and, and then focusing on the other harder to find nutrients once they get the vitamin A is, is a good approach. Right, right. So the key message here is moderation. Uh, variety in your diet, yeah. Variety, variety, yeah. Now, moving on to the, the, your concept of the use of nutrition to optimize health. Mm. Your website lists a number of conditions that can be optimized by, by optimizing mm. nutrition. Do you want to talk us through a little bit about that? So, I mean, I think diabetes was the first, the first on the list. Yeah, definitely. Um, diabetes, a, a lower insulin load diet that will help you stabilize blood sugars is a really important step. But mm-hmm. a lot of it comes back to your mitochondrial function and your ability for your cells in your body to produce energy. And all these mm-hmm. vitamins and minerals are critical to those. And yeah, on the website, I've got a, a number of charts from SpectraCell, who's a testing yeah. company, but they, they've accumulated a whole range of um, research relating to the conditions and the nutrients that tend to be deficient in those conditions. So it's uh, really powerful information. And then we can say, well, if you're deficient in these nutrients, then here are the foods that will help you if you're suffering from this condition that, that tends to be related to those nutritional deficiencies. And there's heaps of amazing stories. And you might have heard of Terry Wiles, who's looked at... Um, MS and then done a whole lot of other research into the nutritional, uh, the benefits of optimizing nutrient density to help all those different conditions and got some amazing results from real food, not supplements. Not supplements, yeah. So mm. I was looking through that list of conditions. I mean, the things that really interested me were, apart from diabetes, was the, uh, the relationship between diet and testosterone and estrogen mm. and fatigue mm. and fertility. And then, you know, thyroid diseases and mm. in, in particularly inflammation, because one of my one of my interests is the role of of using lifestyle, including diet to minimize mm-hmm. inflammatory risks to then therefore minimize the risk of progression of degenerative mm. brain disease. So I was particularly mm. interested to to read to read those because, you know, the proper balance of sex hormones, thyroid hormones, and the proper uh, regulation of inflammatory responses via, for instance, the ratio between omega-3 and omega-6 is crucial to mm. uh, degenerative brain functioning. Uh, sorry, degenerative Definitely. brain diseases, including Alzheimer's and, and proper brain mm. functioning. So tell mm. us, this, this, this data that you've got, where, where does that data come from? Uh, the two main data sets, one is uh, we had half a million days of MyFitnessPal data where people, uh, that they did a data mining expedition and, and pulled down a whole lot of data from MyFitnessPal users that gave us data about macronutrients. But um, from our little project, Nutrient Optimizer, we've had, uh, I think it's about 5,000 people upload their data um, from chronometer, which pulls in all the micronutrient data, which is the vitamins, minerals, essential fatty acids, and, and amino acids. So from that, we've got 60,000 days of data that we've then interrogated to to look at the satiety response and therefore what aligns with an optimal achievable intake mm. um, from whole food for each of those uh, micronutrients, which is, I think is really exciting. Yeah, I think it's absolutely fabulous. And we'll put uh, the links to this uh, website that you've got uh, on our site as well so that the, mm. the viewers Thank at you. home can, uh, can look at this. Now, 
we've used, you've used the word bioavailability in our discussion. Yeah. Can you clarify what that means? Yeah, interesting. Um, I suppose, um, so animal protein is highly bioavailable because it's in the, the form that uh, is easily used by the body. And similarly, there's other, um, that there's pre-vitamin A or pro-vitamin A and uh, that the vitamin A that's used in our body. And some nutrients, particularly in plant-based foods, have to be converted to the usable form in our body by our body before they're actually used in the body. So um, uh, some um, tofu and uh, and soy protein powder and those sorts of plant-based foods do tend to be quite bioavailable. But once you start getting into grains and especially gluten, they tend to be not very bio, but very bioavailable. And similarly with um, omega-3 from plant-based foods, they tend to not be very bioavailable. So it, it gets to be a complex rabbit hole fairly quickly, but um, as long as you're getting enough uh, nutrients in your diet from a, a variety of sources, your body tends to know what to do with those um, uh, going forward. But uh, yeah. But broadly speaking, then, if I'm hearing you right, what you're saying is that the plant based foods require more digestion to extract the nutrients than do uh, meat-based foods. Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, or, or, or once they're digested, they need to then be processed into the, the nutrient form that your body can use. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, one of the great paradoxes is actually, you, you, you've brought this up, you've triggered me with your words about grains, is that you know one of the one of the biggest staples that we have in our Western diet is actually grain, is, is starch, is corn, and yet mm. gluten, and, and yet you know there are so many of us that are troubled with uh, gluten sensitivity, celiac mm. disease, and that's really a form mm. of bioavailability issue, isn't it? Because to actually yeah. digest this starch, you you end up having to produce a toxic intermediary that affects mm. your gut and potentially affects so many other other uh, functions in the body. Mm. Some, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the, the the invention of agriculture and grains is really powerful because it enabled us to capture energy really easily and really efficiently. And then we yeah. had chemical fertilizers into the picture, which enables us to take methane out of the ground and just inject it into our food system and get all this energy, which is great and helps us to grow the population really quickly, but from a nutrient density and actual maintaining a healthy weight and satiety and uh, all those other things, it, it's not so flash. Sure, sure. So uh, you, you've mentioned vitamin supplements. Mm. Here's, here's, I'm being deliberately polemical, as I'm sure you realize. <laughs> <laughs> Why not just take a pill and keep eating the steak and the chips and the cream bun? Well, you, you can keep eating the steak as long as you get some veggies with it. But uh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, if, if the basic concept is that, that our obesity epidemic is due to a lack of micronutrients. Yeah. Why not just take a pill full of micronutrients? Yeah. And well, if, if you go uh, try and take the, the, the magnesium and potassium and sodium that you need in a powder form per day, 
you'll end up on the toilet for, for half an hour just <laughs> getting it out. So your body just doesn't process it very well. Your body doesn't yeah. process it in the concentrated form. Yeah. And you really don't – the vitamins are really easy to pack into a pill because vitamins are very small. But when it comes to minerals, they're much bigger. Yeah. And then amino acids are, are bulky as well. So you might as well just eat the steak. Um, yeah. and, and get some veggies as well. but it, yeah. and, and then they're not in the same form that your body knows what to do with and the right ratios that your body needs to have. And then they're also not in... You know, there's a lot of things other than just the essential, essential nutrients. There's a lot of other nutrients that come from the soil that go into our yeah. food. If that food is grown in a healthy robust environment that's in touch with nature and you know a, a regenerative agriculture which is you know full of animals and plants all working happily together the, the way that mother nature intended so um that actually gets nutrients into your body in the way that your body knows what to deal with and all the nutrients yeah. it needs rather than just the pill and you don't hear of many people just thriving from you know this fake food gruel um that often tends to be hyper palatable at the same time with all the fortification in it. Um, people get healthy from eating real food that uh, that looks like food. And I suppose one of the issues that I've got is actually for the fat, so certainly for the fat soluble vitamins, it's very easy to, mm -hmm. easy to kind of develop toxicity if you take too much mm -hmm. of it. Not so much for the yeah, water soluble definitely. vitamins, but certainly for the fat soluble mm -hmm. vitamins. Now. Marty, we, as usual, we just don't have enough time. But I, before we close off, I want you to tell me what is an A nutrient? Oh, an, or an anti nutrient? An anti nutrient. Anti nutrient. Um, yeah, there are there are compounds in our foods like oxalates um, that tend to dilute the absorption in our body, like as you mentioned, the grains and that there's particular factors in our food that mean we don't absorb it as well. So yeah, and we don't use it as well. And then they're not bioavailable as bioavailable in our bodies. Yeah. So, but again, it's like if you're focusing on those nutrient dense whole foods to contain the nutrients you need, a lot of the foods that contain all those anti-nutrients and are nutrient poor are eliminated, which is the good news. Right, right. There's just so much to talk about, Marty. We are yeah. going to have to wrap it up here. So what, I'd, what I would ask you to, uh, to come back and uh, have another chat with us very yeah. shortly, and we'll, we'll, we'll explore this chatting, subject. Google. We'll explore this subject further. But for the meantime, thank you so much for your pearls of wisdom. Thank you. Great to chat again, Fergal. That's it for today's show. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thank you for joining us.